Attack of the Yogis is here today To tell you the things that no one else will say There's no agenda, there's nothing to buy We're currently in India with excellent Wi-Fi Attack of the Yogis, we don't play nice All we have is some sound advice We don't aggrandize, there's no guys. It's a strike of the note, it's a roll of the Welcome to Attack of the Yogis. My name is Amir Bailey, your host. And I am Siva Bailey, your other host. The co-host. <laughs> because we are married. And we co-everything. We co-everything. Everything is code. Everything is code. C-O-D-E. It is. So, well, on that note, <laughs> should we begin? I think we should. Okay. So, welcome to Attack of the Yogis. This first episode, this inaugural podcast, is going to be on the topic of spontaneity. And we will dissect, review, reflect, look at a 360-degree angle, spontaneity in its entirety and its myriad of forms. All in 29.4 minutes. Because then we will be off doing other things in a very light-hearted and spontaneous kind of way. Absolutely. Spontaneity, well, it doesn't last very long, does it? Because it wouldn't be spontaneous. It wouldn't be spontaneous and it wouldn't be itself just being itself without being worried about itself. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. When a flower blooms, it just blooms. After that, it's no longer blooming. It isn't. It is decaying, in fact. Yes. And one could argue, is it decaying from the moment it is conceived? Or bloomed. Who knows? Who knows, Kidlupar? What are your thoughts? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, um, I guess we should mention why we are called Attack of the Yogis and why we felt spontaneity was relevant to have as the first podcast. Thoughts? Indeed. Well... We use Attack of the Yogis more in its musical context, i.e. the attack you place when striking a note. It's the cadence, it's the immediacy, it's the shape, it's the kind of to this moment. And, um, and um, I think it's quite um, relevant when it comes to yoga and when it comes to the nature of the big questioning why? Why are we here? What's going on? Because if you look at nature and yourself, you'll realize, in truth, it's all spontaneity. It's all attack. It's all this moment. It's all now. There is nothing else. All the rest of it is mind. All the rest of it is contrivance. All the rest of it is... Moot. 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 Um, so within that, though, we have the delusion and the illusion of what we think we are and our place within it, and that can lead us to suffering, and we are all subject to that suffering on a daily basis. So how do we m let go and unfold rather than try to control and contrive? 
Yes, indeed. One could argue that as soon as the mind gets involved, everything is contrived by virtue of the fact that it's mind. You know, mind effectively adds a delay. You know, you have the moment, as soon as you try to step away, capture the moment, reference the moment, generally catalog it, work out where you are with it, turn it into a thought, turn it into a sentence, put it out there, get the feedback from it. You've stepped well away from that first moment, from that spontaneity, that click, the attack, the moment. And in all spiritual practice disciplines, and Zen is perhaps one of the greatest examples of this, is that it removes you. It takes you away from that spontaneity, from that moment, that kind of original sense, Mm. the very first thing, you know. And that is the whole issue. Mm. As we know, when we are children, there we are happily gurgling our way through lives as babies. And people and those around us who love us want us to conform and start instructing us on how to label the world. And once we've labeled the world, we've put a layer between us and the world. And it becomes an us and that. And then we start to decipher what our needs are within the world. And we're removed one further step. Because we have requirements that do not necessarily suit the current situation. And also, interestingly, this is where, you know, as the mind starts to develop, this is where fear develops. And fear is perhaps, you know, one of the most powerful and driving emotions there is. And if you start to examine yourself, you realize that a lot of what where the suffering comes from to bring it that point is all fear based and if you take a small child and you know we have children and those of you out there who have children will understand this and if you don't have children maybe you'll understand it too but when you do have children you will see it even more clearly and that is children at first from the age of zero to one are residing in a state of undifferentiated consciousness they they don't Everything is fluid for them. Everything is, is just, it, it's almost, you know, it, it's a mist. It's mist-like. And as soon as you start to program them with language, as soon as you, they, their mind starts developing, because the mind develops through language, then all of a sudden those desires come in, the fear comes in, and all of a sudden you're starting to deal with a different, a different, an entirely different animal. And it's both beautiful and um, sobering think, to and I, witness. I, I feel as well that... You know, it's it's well uh, understood, isn't it, that one also projects your fears onto children and they inhabit that fear. Yes. Like, you know, with terms like be brave, be careful, you know, they weren't aware that they had to be brave or they were being brave. What were they being brave for? It's because they should have been fearful. So when we start to use language, as you're saying, then obviously that impacts the situation. And the amazing thing about, let's bring this back to yoga for a second, is about Sanskrit is that obviously that was pure and mathematical and scientific. And therefore, in the use of mantra, this was to eradicate such whims of the selfish man and to bring one back to the point in the triangle and to purify through grammar, which is fascinating when you think about it, that Patanjali was considered language 
to be in at its best when aligned with the divine and the biggest barrier when it wasn't. Well, absolutely. I mean, there, there, is an, there is an element here, isn't there, whereby there is a certain hypnosis, there is a certain, you know, trance-like state that is entered through using mantra or, you know, encoded texts or the ancient languages and stuff like this. And, you know, it's basically through the resonance and the, the precision that is um, encompassed within it, vibrations still the mind to some extent you know it turns the mind in on itself and then you know you come out you go out the other side and you know the the mind is still and you start inhabiting a space that is more accurately described as a form of like just beingness and beingness and more of an original state because the mind is what pulls you away from that original state and the entire exercise of spiritual practice is to do essentially with stilling the mind and to stilling the reference point, to still the comparison, to still the subject-object relationship, the relativism, you know, all this stuff that literally moves us away from that spontaneous moment. Meditation. That is meditation. Meditation is a truly spontaneous act. You know, you there is no ambition, there is no goal of meditation. Meditation is the moment whereby the mind becomes still, the subject-object relationship is dissolved, and one inhabits a space, to some extent, outside of reference, and which is why it's indescribable um, when you try to convey it to somebody else. It's something that only can be experienced by the experiencer. However, it is through manifestation, birth and creation, allowing itself to have that evolutionary process that one has the opportunity to discover and have the further and desire to return back to the whole and therefore have the experience of life, meditation, art, creativity. One could argue that, you know, it's not an accident, and this is almost a blessed experience. Even though, as part of the many, if not all, spiritual practices, one is returning back. That's the yearning that we all have in our hearts. The gift and the miracle that is existence and the split is fascinating inside of itself and it's almost beautiful like a, a good heartbreak Purusha and Prakriti yeah, you know the eternal dance you know isn't it's it it's a beautiful it's, romance it's the ultimate romance isn't it it's the ultimate novel of heartbreak and re you know the search and the homecoming As, it, Indeed, as the Sufis say, I was a hidden treasure and wanted to be found, you yeah. know, and that's that's an, uh, an eternal cycle. And as, yeah, exactly, and as Paramahansa Yogananda says, as we know in the book, Divine Romance, because mm. it is a romance. And quite often, I think, in these communities, we forget that. We get quite kind of anal about the language, um, but the love is there. The love is there, and that is why we seek it. It's why we skip about as children and play joyfully and gleefully and wonder why adults look so furrow-browed when the world is such a marvellous and exciting playground of opportunity. And we see all this 
you know, years of living, wearing heavy on those around us. Some of those, some of us are fortunate to have people where it wasn't so heavy. But it's interesting that as children, we're confused by this. For a lot of us that are fortunate to have a playful childhood, it's confusing. It's weird, like, isn't this just a marvellous moment after moment of opportunity for play? Absolutely, absolutely, and that is that is the that is the spontaneity. That is the concept of the sacred fool. That is the whole angle of I'm coming back to you know Zen again here because they really do truly go down this road. You know the the the, the, the idea of the nonsensical, the idea of you know what drop the the contrivance, drop the mind, just just be here now as Randas says or any of the rest of it completely and and in that moment and when you do drop everything away in that sense and you don't start to limit situations and name stuff and begin to reference and think this 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 everything is in one marvelous program because everything is just energy and you know when do you take away the labels mug computer table wife husband cat you know, all of a sudden, if you, if you, fantastic exercises to drop the labels. When you look at something, don't label it. Just try to look at it unlabeled, you know, undo all those years of learning and conditioning. And, you know, it's jolly difficult. But, you know, there is moments where the cracks will appear in that sense. And, you know, you can have a moment where the thing becomes unknown to you again. And in that brief moment where it all falls away, the relationships completely change. And it becomes a truly energetic experience. And there's no other way to put it. It is you know, fountain life. Yeah, which is why I feel that when we have catastrophes and yes. things like this, you know, people will return to their true nature. In the majority, they are immediately no longer seeing others as others, but seeing each other as part of humanity and love. And people reach out. And isn't it funny Stroke sad that it has to be in these moments of total destruction where we will reach out to our fellow man who we won't talk to at the bus stop and reach out that hand and say, I yeah. love you. The- I want you to, to survive. Yeah, I will don't do know. anything I can to help you. And I think, you know, if we lean this back again into meditation i think that when you sit in meditation that's almost what you're stripping away down to you're like you know you're letting go and becoming that again that is vulnerable and open and returning and shedding and just allowing you know the spontaneity of allowance of falling away and just trusting the existence is in you and you are in existence and the, the, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to be, there's nothing to try, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unfolding and the emotions that arise in that may demonstrate themselves as tears or sadness or joy but one can let them be as they are, as they just expose themselves to you in that spontaneous manner yeah i think you know absolutely i think that you know that's that's very beautiful i think that um it's very true i think that when order breaks down you know the 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 mind 
is is order and you know it, it's interesting isn't it that as as to go back to that thing about the programming you know through language and through rules effectively and sets like that that's the the confinement that's where you start to plot out the grid you know you're saying okay this is my sphere of operation this is this this is this it's like designing a city in some ways and everything gets compartmentalized and moved around and boom 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 and it grows and it develops and it changes and you know the connections become ever more complex and all the rest of it. But then if something was to come and to strip the center away from that and all those connections that you've forged and all those relationships in your mind that limit or prohibit or say this relates to that and that relates to that, I like this, I don't like that, the whole concept of yes, no, the binary um, kind of tagging of absolutely everything which is how we kind of define our identities and our reality. As soon as you, 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 you tear that apart, what's left? I mean, all of a sudden, which is why the meltdown happens. You know, a lot of people, when they have a moment, an aha moment, and they go, what have I been doing for the last 25 years? Why? No. And the whole thing comes crashing down. Their relationships shift and change. They move, they do this. As you say, the tears come in, the kind of extremes of emotional, of uh, uh, the emotional spectrum start kind of jumping into play in a symphonic kind of in manner. And, you know, you're, you're chef and people, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of cleft apart and your identity completely disappears because it's entirely fabricated. It's not real. It's, an, you know, it's something that you craft and you know it, and then what's left? And truly, as you said, what is left? What, what is left after that? You know, it's that rawness. It's that original state to some extent. It is the, the truth of your beingness, because when you strip the mind away and you strip identity and you strip all the limitations, it's there, you know? Nelson Mandela said something very wonderful, and that is our greatest fear isn't that we're powerless, it's that we're powerful beyond measure. And this is the kind of stuff that, that kicks in, you know, when and, you feel like this. Yeah, and I, I feel that this is also why we have the recognition in great men who are who we met who know this and that they are prepared to experience anything in order to feel that connection with another, like Gandhi with the sugar and the little boy who was, you know, told that he had to give up sugar and Gandhi then went and took sugar and then went through the process of giving it up before he... Why are you looking at me like I've got the story wrong? Slightly, but it doesn't okay. matter. Well, he's kind of like raising his eyebrows like, what are you talking about? But you get, the, you get the idea. He was prepared to go on that journey in order to relate. He wasn't prepared to just go by what he'd heard. And likewise with Ramakrishna wasn't prepared to say you tell me about what Islam is, you tell me about what Christianity is. He went and he studied all of those religions and he said many many names, one God, many parts, one goal. He, he didn't co-opt that or take that from somebody else's lecture. He went on that process of open-hearted discovery he wasn't prepared to accept the labels until he'd experienced it for himself. Which ties into something that, you know, we talk about a lot and you're very passionate about, and I feel the same equally, and that is, you know, the, the, the great sages, you know, definitely from the Indian perspective, the rishis and all the rest of it, you know, you, you don't, 
You don't talk about what you don't know. You don't speculate. You don't say, oh, I think it's a bit like this. I've heard a bit of that, and I think I'm going to say that because I quite like the sound of it. You know, you have to see it enunciated in the scriptures beforehand. I mean, this is classical, but i.e. somebody else has felt the same way and gone, you know what? This is, this is something I've experienced myself. Number two, you have to know it for yourself, i.e. live it, experience it yourself before you can start to speak it. You know, and number three? Is what? Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to come charging in there. with dog. Basically, you know, Krishnamurti talks a lot about this too. And, you know, any of these great, so, you know, in, people that have pierced the veil of consciousness, as it were, you know. Why, the, the, it has to be renounced in the age of scriptures. It has to appear to log, your own logic and reasoning. And you have to have experienced it from your, for yourself. This, exactly. is the, this is the science of the... Wishes, and I think it's a very beautiful, loving thing, actually. Very beautiful. Absolutely, and you know, and you, you know, and I think it's pretty relevant today because you know we do encounter, especially with information being so ridiculously spontaneous, immediate, as it were. You know, it's like you can go there and you can find anything pretty much instantaneously. You know, and. You have to filter through it because, the, you know, some stuff is perhaps, you know, got a little bit more to it than other bits, you know. It's like first-hand run. There's not enough of that going on. I think a lot of people, you know, sit and, you know, disgusting. And it's, it, it's a bit of a splurge and everybody has a slight inkling or says, you know, or experience being so readily available. So you can go onto Instagram and you can see somebody standing on the top of the Petronas Towers, you know, and you're like, oh my goodness gracious me, they're a thousand feet up hanging from an, an aerial. Are they gonna die? And you know, 30% of your brain is having that experience. 30% of you is sharing that experience with them. And the science proves that, that you know that, um, you know, when you watch something or you're imbibing the information, you know, your brain doesn't really differentiate between, you know, that's reality, that's not reality, or that's a photograph, or that's a film, or all the rest of it. And so you are having 30% of that. So you'll feel to some extent, oh, I've kind of experienced that. I know what it's like to hang off the edge of the Petronas Towers at that height, 30%. I think I will now do a post about it. (laughs) I will now do a post about it. Obviously, we're being slightly extreme here for effect, but, you know, there is something to be aware of, I think, when you're... To be looking at in this life, kind of, really, isn't yeah. it? In life, I think it's um, it's going back to that kind of you know, if you're being spontaneous, you're being honest about where you're at. You know, you're not kind of being a rose when you are a sunflower. You know, and there's non-comparativeness here. I think that um, celebrity wants us all to be, you know. Roses, and we often laugh. Well, I laugh at myself in the situation that sometimes, you know, I'm not sure how you guys feel about it or whether you feel the same, but quite often when I'm, you know, investigating social media, so to speak, I have to have some, you know, plenty of non kind of spiritual stuff in there. I, I become numb to it. I'm not quite sure, you know, I mean, we could talk about the the light and the shade and, you know, the light needing the shade, otherwise you wouldn't know it was light. But I see a lot of light in the darkness. I see a lot of beautiful expressions of itself that have nothing to do with the tag of 
hashtag yoga, hashtag workshop, hashtag healing, hashtag whatever you want to put it as. And, um, you know, thank goodness for the poets and the artists that are just there doing their thing and, and evolving at a more natural, organic, real way, I think. Really, sometimes it's a lot more, feels more honest. I agree with you. I think that um, I think we're drifting into another podcast here, and because we do want to do one on social media, I think that's so. Yeah. I, you know, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's tricky because we've gone into that whole thing now, and it's kind of. I think you know the very act. I mean, if we get into it, you know, I, as we started off at the beginning, I, you know, just coming out from the social media angle and the whole thing. There's nothing spontaneous about a photograph that's posted to social media, except in rare circumstances, I think. And the whole act in of itself of wanting to capture the moment in order to post it to your social feed removes you from any form of spontaneity whatsoever. And we're seeing the extremes of that now with people going off and their whole Saturday or weekend is about getting a photograph, you know, to post to Instagram rather than actually going and experiencing the event in itself, you know. And... Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, that's, that's, what, that's my experience, that's what I think. I think any movement away from centre in that sense is a movement away from spontaneity. And I think that um, in seeking to capture, and as our, in our society as a whole, I think that we've, we've, we've ended up in a place where if it's not documented it, if we haven't captured it, if we've not posted it online, to some extent it's not real, it doesn't exist, it's not real. I think a lot of people know that and they do it with a wry smile, don't they? I think that, um, you, know, go, you know, going back to kind of, is that, is that then just, you know, uh, impulsive and, you know, um, hedonistic almost in a way to have an experience for experience's sake in the guise of spontaneity um you know one could say we went out for the weekend and we were spontaneous you know whether you've got a camera with you or not so how do we take it back to its innocence rather than forcing the act within itself for the for the recognition rather than. But I think the, I think that the seeking to capture is an is is, is an interesting point here because mm -hmm. as soon as you seek to capture something, you know you you lose it. It's going back to the referencing. It's going back to the labeling. It's going back to the formulation of the mind and everything we were talking about before. As soon as you go, click or boom. That, that's beautiful. Oh, I, you know, I want to, I want to save that. I want to, you know, I, I want to keep that for memory, all the rest of it. You, you lose the spontaneity of the moment, you know, and if you just imprinted that moment by being full and present in your senses with that moment and completely inhabiting it fully, rather than thinking, ah, oh, I need to photograph that. Oh, I need to record that. Ah, oh, I need to da 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 da. You know, you would inhabit that so fully that your recall of that moment will be profound for the rest of your life. You know, you would be able to still smell it 20 years down the line. You know, you inhabit it fully. But as soon as you kind of go, oh, that's nice. Oh, no, I'm going to go and get my camera. You immediately are kind of halving the experience straight off the bat. Oh, that makes me feel like I want to reconsider, you know, history and just look at that for a moment. Yeah. Obviously, the, we, as, as you say, the victors are the ones that write history. Mm -hmm. And writing is a form of capturing. 
and then relaying the history over and over and over and over again. And what what are we really doing with that as a piece of information? If it isn't for the betterment of man, then it is more for other... Most definitely. You now we're also veering into <laughs> this is another like podcast. Ten podcasts. No, but I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, one, one. You know, one. Nobody remembers the same event the same way. Everybody's got a different take on it, and that you know, we all know that. And sometimes maybe we need to be reminded. This is like a, a, a one-on-one question when you go and study history at university. It, you know, you get into this, and it's like, what is history? What is historiography? you know, what, you know, and all the various different types of history and the way that's written in the whole deal. And absolutely, I, you know, it's entirely subjective. And, you know, there is no, undoubtedly an agenda that comes in when you look at recorded history. And, you know, there is no better example of that, really, than looking at our whole concept of where, how we feel evolution works in our place in history and where we are now. You know, increasingly, more and more information is coming out. Uh, you know, it's being seen, uh, you know, hang on a second, 5,000 years of uh, human history, we're at the most evolved point ever, you know, <laughs> right now, this, this civilization that we look around with everything is the most evolved point, not only on planet Earth, but in the entire universe, that in all of creation, in all the hundreds of billions and billions and billions of solar systems, the whole deal, this is it. You know, and and the whole thing, I mean, it's so preposterous, it doesn't even begin to, you know, any 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 real self-inquiry, any going within, any looking at nature, if you do it wholly and with presence, as we're talking about, reveals a myriad of life, a teeming, a why, <laughs> everything is bubbling, there is no empty space, you know, physics and quantum physics are beginning to see this, you know, it's like the whole thing, our whole concept of recorded history and the way that we feel evolution has worked and all the rest of it is truly being brought into question. And, and, it, and it only seeks to harden the illusion and delusion absolutely. in which we live, doesn't it, which is why, you know, the yogis are seeing things in total and can, you know, play with time in that respect because they are not subject to the slavery of it you know I mean you know who who can only one can only imagine what a great sage would witness in the meditation but busy samadhi but in the why we it befuddles me why we don't recognize that if we really understand and i think that a lot of us do that you know time is mind mind and meditation is no mind and there are the forgers of the way whether you want to say there were 10,000 years ago 5,000 years ago or longer and there have been great sages in the in the very modern world, if not contemporary, very few and far between, but nevertheless existed. Why, why are we not? Why then? Why not the recognition? Why, why still the hankering for the ego phenomena of you know yogi vogue? You know, uh-huh. why, why the... Bogey. But, but don't forget, Bogey has 10.4 million followers. Oh, so, yeah, got to follow that. You know, yeah. so 
It's interesting, isn't it? I'm just thinking of it more from the, you know, the innocence and going back to the spontaneity, you know, how we, we're seeking this innocence and we, we want this return, but when the, the, the one that reflects that back at us is in our presence, we're like, oh, you know, it, 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 the reaction is so cosmically, yeah, it's the only way I can say it, I know it sounds a bit new age, I don't mean it like that, but it's so transformative, it's almost like the rejection is because of what, going back to what you were saying, because of the fear, because yeah, of yeah. The, the fear of the dissolution, of the, the, the disintegration of yourself in the, what you would have to go holy moly. Yeah, you know, yeah. How, you know, what, what have I been doing, you know? And I think the, you know, the, the surrender, you know, the, like, you know, we're saying the spontaneity is, is surrendering, isn't it? It's the surrendering, it's the luxury of being a plant. Because they, you know, the intelligence is there, but they're not trapped in the mind. You've got to get That's out of the, the way. Luxury, You've got to get out of the way. Spontaneity yeah. means getting out of the way, and that means your whole constructed sense of self, yeah. the whole I am business, mm. needs to pack up mm. and vacate. You know, Which nature. Is what the Guruji shines right in. Abs- Absolutely, and if you look at nature, this is something directly observable. Go and sit out amongst the trees there. You'll realise that there is an intelligence bubbling through absolutely everything and you know life is going on and it's teeming but you know it's it's there is no there's nothing that there's no block there at all everything is happening exactly as it should be relating to a certain set of circumstances the tree is moving its leaves over time the plants are things are flowering you know you don't know when stuff flowers it just happens spring comes oh ooh, nothing nothing on the trees nothing on the trees you blink and all of a sudden boom the switch has gone on and you're like wow where did that come from you know yeah. i didn't see that happening you know, and that's it, you Which know? then makes me contemplate, and I think we'll be closing in a minute, but just quickly to say, when we think, look at things, at the discussion of climate change and us saving the planet, just seems a little bit like, I'm sure the planet would be quite, we, don't we really mean we need to save ourselves? And let's not even just talk about climate change, we'll save that for another topic, but just in the spontaneity angle of it, aren't we really saying, we need to save ourselves now because the planet will continue. It's not going to just d- destruct, destroy itself because of us. It will live on. It's 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 the humans that will be. I couldn't extinct. agree. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, life continues in one format or another. In, this is the important thing. It's not. And if you move away from the I am, the format is irrelevant because it's consciousness is all. Consciousness is matter. Matter and consciousness are exactly the same thing. And that's it. And it doesn't really matter how that represents to you. And in fact, if you start to play with your concepts of how you see stuff through meditation and stepping out of the way and all the rest of it, things become very different anyway. The way that you see, quite literally, the covers, the colors, the vividness, the forms, the shapes, all the rest of it can start to shift and move and change and the relationships between them because everything is known in contrast also so change so the topography the landscape becomes enormously different subtly but enormously and and within that we are able to explore the non-existence because the fearlessness around your own extinction i.e one in the body 
and it's moving on and shifting and changing form within that becomes a more real you're you're bolder and you're able to face that and two you realize that that too was a construct yeah and the ultimate letting go and maybe that's the one great letting go that we all have to do and and some of and some manage to really truly know that in this lifetime i.e the great sages that they're not dying they're shifting and changing for, and the intelligence lives on. That birth and death are, in fact, an illusion. Mm. Who is actually being born and who is actually dying? How does that work? And, you know, it's powerful. If you sit and meditate upon that and truly just sit with it and, you know, take a week, take a month, mm. let it bubble away in the back of your mind, look at yourself, really conceptualize, and then deconceptualize yeah. <laughs> because everything is known through its polarity. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can't have one without the other, you know? It, the stuff, it's all, it's all moot, yeah. all of it, the whole deal. So, I mean... Let us know in the comments. Let us know what happens when you meditate on that. We hope you enjoy this podcast on spontaneity. This is podcast number one, Attack of the Yogis. We very much enjoyed yeah. hanging out here, and we hope to see you all again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Take care of yourself. <laughs> enjoy the journey. Bye. Bye.